All right, so he's letting me preach again. <laughs> um, so I want you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Romans 9, 21 through 23. It's in your bulletin. Romans 9, 21 through 23. So while you're turning there, um, the title of my sermon is God is Bigger Than Your Bad Decisions. Now, if you are friends with me on Facebook, you probably recognize that. Um, <laughs> I've been working on this sermon for probably since about February, and um, I battled with the title. I battled with a lot of things, and um, I finally got it, so we're here today. So let's go to Romans 9, 21 through 23. That says, Hath not the potter power over the clay, of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of his mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. So I really want to focus on hath not the potter power over the clay. Hath not the potter power over the clay. So hath not, he has power over us, right? And um, he's in control. He's in control of your situation. Um, he created the earth. He, he holds time, space, and matter. Um, he put every single molecule into place. And he makes the earth spin. Um, so I think he has control, right? <laughs> so um, I like jumping around with scripture when I preach. Um, and I would all be able to put it on the board. So uh, Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for God? So, he's in control of the earth. Is there anything too hard for God? He made us. Now, that scripture was after Jeremiah was in captivity. And um, God reassured him that his people would prosper. He's done all this. He holds the earth in um, in the palm of his hand. I think he can handle our... I don't want to say small problems. I think he can handle our problems. Um, I had to come to a place of surrender for him to be able to work through me better. I didn't, I, I didn't know how to rely on the Lord until I came to that place of surrender. So uh, surrender your problems to him. I think he's got control of it. I think he's got you. Um, when you're in the will of God... You are invincible until it's your time to go. And I truly believe that. If God has control over your situation, he has control of you, he has control of the earth. If you have a purpose for your life, and you do, and you are in the will of God, and you are trying to, or you're trying to uh, fulfill that purpose, then you are invincible until you have uh, fulfilled that purpose. Now, just because you screw up doesn't mean you're going to hell. You can't lose your salvation, but you can quench the Holy Spirit, like uh, Pastor Bill mentioned in uh, his sermon, God's Presence. There is a difference between sinning and complete, all-out, utter rebellion toward Holy God. 
No, I've been there. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> I've been there. Um, a couple years ago, I, um, I was going through a lot. Um, I was going to church every day, or every week, every day too. Um, I was just in all that rebellion, and I didn't really understand what I was in rebellion towards. I, I thought I was in rebellion towards God, and I was rebelling against my parents. I was rebelling against authority. And, um, but really what I was rebelling against was religion. And I was going to church every day, and I thought that I had to be a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way. I thought I had to go to church every day and look all perfect. And as you can tell, I don't want to look all perfect. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but... When you're in all-out sin and rebellion, you become, and I became, hardened, cut off, self-centered. You stop hearing from the voice of the Lord. You're more open to the attacks of the enemy, which I was. I would, trust me, I was being attacked. And you blame it on your circumstances. Now... If God has control of your situation, he has control of your circumstances, why would you be blaming it on your circumstances? God has you in the palm of his hand. Now, the big thing for me was when I was in all out I'm in rebellion, and I was in religion, I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. You were unable to have a relationship with the Lord when you're in religion. Now, you might think you do. You might go to church, you might read your Bible, you might pray. But I was doing all those things. And I was unable to connect with my father. So, having all that in mind, how are we then expected to live? Now, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 says, or 15 through 16, um, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So, be ye holy, for I am holy. We need to strive to be holy because it says he is holy. Now, uh, Leviticus 11.34, it pretty much says the same thing. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So, be holy for I am holy. Um, when you are trying to live for the Lord, you're going to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be easy for you to have a relationship with the Lord. Now, to be holy, I believe, um, you need to be disciplined in your thinking. And... Try not to conform back to how you used to be before you were saved. Be holy in all manner of conversation because he is holy. Now, God is very holy, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Moses, when he met God, met God, he couldn't look at him face to face. Now, why is that? If he had looked at God face to face like I'm looking at you right now, he would have, one, he would have died instantly. Two, he probably would have been burnt right to a crisp and there would have been nothing left. <laughs> he would have just been dust. 
So we need to be holy in the fear that God is holy. So 1 Peter um, 17 through 20. That says, if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, um, without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, forasmuch as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. In these last times for you. So, we weren't redeemed with corruptible things. We were redeemed with the precious blood of a perfect Savior. Now, we need to be cognizant of that because, and we need to try to be holy for that fact, that we were bought with the precious blood of the Lamb. Now, the fear of the Lord, in Proverbs 8.13 it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. So, the fear of the Lord means to hate ungodly things. Now, we need to live in holiness, but we also need to live in holy love. It says that in uh, 1 Peter 1, 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto un... <laughs> love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently with a pure heart fervently. So the word fervently means um, exhibiting or marked by a great intensity of feeling or zealous. Now, loving doesn't mean accepting someone's sin. Now, you can still love the person and not accept their sin. Now, I know, like, I know what the world says. Just love them. Just love them anyway. And that's not biblical. Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Now, what does that say love is? Or what does that say love should be? Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Now, you can still love the person without accepting their sin. Loving somebody means that you're going to tell them the truth no matter how bad it hurts. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was in All Out Sin and Rebellion, and if someone came up to me and told you, you're fine, you're fine. No, I did not want that. When someone came up to me and told me the truth of my situation and I felt convicted, that's what love is. Now, just because you think you're living holy doesn't mean you're saved. 
We know that salvation is not of works, but of repentance, belief, and acceptance of Jesus. Now, man thought that we had to do something to be saved. In Acts 16, 30-31, um, the man comes up to Jesus and he says, What must I do to be saved? A lot of us are familiar with that passage. Jesus says, you must believe. Believe on me. Now, holiness is one of the most important things of this life. And when I was in religion, I thought, I didn't understand what holiness was. I thought holiness was not sinning at all. Try that for a day. No, try that for five minutes. And, and, yeah, and come back to me. I, all of us sin throughout the day thousands of times. I mean, you think one bad thought and you're going, well, well without Jesus, you're going to hell. So you can't do that. <laughs> but the Bible says if you're saved, then you're set apart. In Leviticus 26, 12, it says, I will, walk, I will walk among you and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. So we're God's people. We need to be different from everybody else. Now, when the world looks at us, should the world see the same thing that they are themselves? No. We need to strive to be different than the world. But it's okay if you screw up. Trust me, I do it every day. <laughs> Facebook is my example. <clears throat> um, God uses your mess-ups. But don't let that be your license to sin. Just because he has control of it, doesn't mean that you can still go out and sin. He can't bless you if you're living in sin. He wants you to live holy, but you can't be perfect. Now, in Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68, I'm not going to read that. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> but, it's, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, you can go home and read that if you don't trust me. But you know. He uses your trial and tribulations and what you go through to mold you. Now, I believe that when I was going through all this stuff, I was in all-out sin, but I believe that I wouldn't be able to preach to you at all if I didn't go through some things that an average person goes through. Vain thoughts, rebellion, um, all the awful things that we do as human beings. I needed to go through something hard to be able to rely on the Lord. I... Why would I need to be able to rely, on, uh, to rely on the Lord if I was perfect? You don't, you don't need God if you're perfect. You become your own God when you're in religion. Now, I believe there's a purpose for pain. And I believe there's a purpose for trials. Now, here's an example. Why do you think Joseph was taken into slavery... He was the favorite child, and then he had a dream that 
his brothers would bow down to him. His older brothers. He had multiple older brothers. Why on earth would you go to your older brothers and be like, hey, I had a dream that you guys bowed down to me. He was either extremely cocky. (laughs) Been there. Or extremely naive. Maybe, just maybe, he needed to go through trial and tribulation and all the hard stuff we go through to mold him into the person he needed to be for the particular purpose God had for him. Now, I needed to go through stuff. I needed to. Now, the Christian life, you're going to go through stuff. Sorry about it. You're going to go through hard stuff. And if you don't go through hard, if you're not going through something hard, run. You're not in the right place if you are not going through anything. Another example. Moses and the Israelites were led by God in circles for 40 years. Now Moses was listening to God, and God was directing them. God was directing them in circles for 40 years. Why were they going in circles for 40 years? I'd be like, come on, Lord, let's go. I'm, I'm 17, and I, that's like a quarter of my life. What the? I couldn't, I, I, yeah, come on. I don't have that much faith. Um, so after I first preached, um, or I guess, yeah, no, before I first preached, um, I went through some stuff. We had, like, family stuff. And, um, but I never went through anything spiritually in myself or personally in myself where I needed to rely on the Lord. I relied on everybody else around me, and I relied on myself. God will equip you and mold you into how he wants you to be for his purpose. He's going to use your pain. He's going to use your hardships. And I wouldn't be able to preach if I didn't go through chastisement or hardship or trials or tribulations. I wouldn't be able to speak to you if I didn't go through what some of you have been through. I had to become broken to the point of total reliance Without my brokenness and hardship, I wouldn't need God. Religion cannot coincide with relationship. When you're in religion, you don't have relationships. You have yourself, and you have... You are God to yourself. Faith and trust usually coincides with trials. Now, two or three years into my hardships. I pray for faith. Don't do that. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, if, you're, if you pray for faith, you're going to go through more hardships than you probably have ever been through in your life. But to get faith, to get a true faith, you need to be broken to be able to rely on God. Because if you're not broken, what are you relying on? Yourself. Now, 
The Christian life isn't easy. But he loves you, he wants you, and he has you. He has you in the palm of his hand. He has control of the earth. He has control of all the molecules and everything. He, he, he made it. He put it into place. He knows what he's doing. Now, I know what it feels like to go through stuff and to feel alone. <coughs> and, but when, I want to say probably about eight months ago, I, um, I came to that place where I was done. I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, Lord, what the heck? What, what are you bringing me through right now? You're, I, don't, I can't make any sense of my situation. I don't know what's going on. I got on my face and I said, Lord, I'm done trying for myself. I'm done trying to control every single situation in my life. I'm giving it to you. I'm surrendering it to you. And I want you to control my life. I'm giving everything up. Here you go. After that, I felt a complete peace. I let go of all my junk. And I gave it to God. Now... It's not easy to do that. And you have to come to total humility. And that's not very easy for us men to do. And I know it's hard, but when you have a purpose for your life, you have to come to that place of reliance on the Lord or you're not going to get through anything. You might think you're getting through stuff and you might accomplish something but you're going to go right back to where you were in total hell trust me (laughs) our ways are not his ways now Isaiah 55 8, 9, and 11 for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my ways your ways saith the Lord For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now we're going to skip down to 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now, his ways are not our ways. The certainty of God's word will bring his promises to fruition. That's what that scripture is saying. Even, or especially, the invitation of salvation. So, this is something I believe. When someone is going to get saved, they're going to get saved. Whether you like it or not, whether you have control of it or not. You are not going to save that person. God, or the Holy Spirit, which is God, manifests in spirit, has to come to that person and bring them to salvation. You can pray all you want, and it will help. 
but you don't have anything to do with someone else's salvation. You're not going to save somebody. You might say, yeah, I saved, uh, uh, what's his face over here? And, uh, but God set that up. God set up for you to just push that person a little bit. But the Holy Spirit probably spoke to them. And God plants things. And um, now I've led a few people to the Lord. <clears throat> and um, when I did it, well, and when I do it, I, um, it always happens at the worst times. It's like, like I'll just be doing something random. Like I'll be working and, I'm, and the Lord's like, you need to talk to this person. I'm like, why? I'm like, I don't have time for that right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm making hot dogs. <laughs> if you like me. But it's always in the worst times. And usually when you're going to go to, like, minister to somebody, God's going to give you what you need. And God is going to, and the Holy Spirit is going to give you what you need to say to that person. Now, whatever trial you're going through, whatever circumstance you have, whatever season or hardship that you're in, he has you. Now, like I talked about, he has control of everything. He has control of your financial situation, your sin battles. We all have them. If, if one of us in here thinks that we don't, <laughs> I especially battle with sin. We all do. But that doesn't make us bad, evil. That makes us normal people. Holiness is not perfectness. Like that said, holiness is trying and striving to live a holy life. We can only do that with total brokenness, reliance, and trust in God. Like I said, we cannot do that ourselves. And whatever it may be, all your circumstances, all your hardships... He promised if we know him, if we know him, and we have a relationship with him, after the earth is gone, all your hurt, all your pain, we are going to be in heaven with our king again. <laughs>